Hello, and welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast number 210. My name is Mike Anello, and thanks for sticking with us. It's been a few weeks since our last episode. I've been a little bit underwater with work. Uh, we just graduated another semester or another group of students from our 12-week Drupal Career Online class, so congrats to them. But now that that class is in my rearview mirror, my schedule is going to open up a bit this summer, so we should get back on our regular schedule of Drupal Easy Podcast episodes. So let's uh, get going with this episode right here, uh, episode number 210. Joining me today is Stephanie Gray. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hey, how's it going? All right. And so, Stephanie, you are an engineer and open data specialist for Civic Actions. And you're going to be talking to us today about DCAM, um, according to everything we've talked about until now. So if you decide to pick a new topic, let me know as soon as possible. But I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about DCAM today. <laughs> but before we do, let's learn a little bit more about you and how, you know, maybe, you know, what's your background? How'd you get started with Drupal? And how'd you find your yourself kind of in this role with the DCAM project? Oh man, well first off, if we want to go way, way, way back, let's start with SimCity 2000 for Super Nintendo because that was the best game when it came to computer mapping and creating cities and mapping out zones and basically cutting my teeth when it came to GIS, Geographic Information Systems. I love that game. Yeah, it, SimCity, uh, I think it really shaped a generation of uh, GIS professionals and urban planners. And uh, basically, long story short, GIS uh, led me into data analysis, which led me into open data. And DCAN is the world's first open source, open data platform. And it's entirely built on Drupal. And uh, yeah, your listeners might have thought it was a little wild to be mentioning Super Nintendo and going into a, a Drupal distribution. But there's a straight line there when it comes to being able to uh, process uh, and, and show uh, data. I think our listeners might be used to me being very easily distracted by little tidbits like that. Because <laughs> I'm finding myself like I'm really resisting the urge to talk more about, you know, what I loved about SimCity 2000, what I did not like about Sim SimCity 2000. Like I didn't like the unrealistic aspects of it, like the like the Godzilla attacks and stuff like that. That's true. Or cheat codes for unlimited money because that is not how government works. That was it was like something like funds, right? You could t you could type like F U N D S, wasn't it something like that? Yeah, something along those lines. But, you know, I'm very excited for the the next generation of kids who grow up on Minecraft because I think that when they get into GIS and data uh, and engineering, those sort those uh, sorts of careers, it'll uh, really inspire them. Yeah, see, now I feel like you're just tempting me by now bringing up Minecraft. <laughs> no, I've never played it because I know I would be absolutely hooked. <laughs> I just, I know it would be addictive. I'm in my 30s. I cannot do that now. I am an adult. I cannot get hooked on Minecraft. I will leave that to the 10 year olds around the nation. Let's ignore that topic then. Let's let's kind of move on. We were talking uh, before we started recording. And so your background, you actually have college degrees in uh, geospatial? Uh, yes, that is correct. Uh, I have a BA and MA in geography and a certification in geographic information systems. So did you go right from that into web development or Drupal development or or like what, what was your path to Drupal? Uh, so it was sort of an odd path. I uh, finished my BA in 2009, uh, peeked my head out of academia, said, wow, there's there's no jobs whatsoever. You know, I'm going to go to grad school and surely in 2011, everything will be better. Uh, it was actually the very worst of the recession. And at that point, I think it was like 
53% of people between 18 uh, and 25 were underemployed. So I actually started volunteering my GIS skills out while I was bouncing between temp jobs and such. Uh, I started volunteering my skills out to different nonprofit and political campaigns. Like uh, one really cool internship that I was able to take on uh, was for Common Cause New York, which is a nonpartisan organization dedicated to better districting. And uh, I was able to create about 300 different demographic maps for them to use at local hearings to argue for uh, more fairly drawn uh, state assembly and congressional districts in New York City and the rest of New York State. Uh, so it was sort of a, a nonlinear path. Uh, but yeah, uh, I worked at a couple of different uh, civic-oriented nonprofits, which is what led me to Civic Tech and joining a startup called New Civic. And now I work for Civic Actions. So the word civic, you know, I should basically get it tattooed at this point. So how long have you been kind of in the Drupalverse then? Was this recently when you when you started with Civic, civic Actions? And no, I'm coming up on about four years in the Drupalverse. I'm very proud. That's a whole presidential administration. Uh, and yeah, it's it's uh, when I started back at New Civic, a scrappy startup that was dedicated uh, to opening up data uh, in New York State and beyond. Uh, it was originally started by Andrew Hoppen, who was the first chief information officer of the New York State Senate. And uh, for those who do not live here, New York state politics is just a giant, messy, toxic hornet's nest of corruption and kickbacks and all of that old timey stuff you thought you'd heard about in the textbooks from 100 years ago. It's all still happening here. So Andrew Hoppin, who is a fantastic human being and helped uh, start Decan as a project, uh, his goal was to open up a lot of the data that these politicians did not want to have opened up, such as salary data and other juicy topics. Uh, and really, it wasn't for the sake of, you know, starting some some big brouhaha over it, but really just getting this information out there to the people to make for a fairer and less corrupt state and beyond. So just for the record, you just described them, and I just want to make sure that everyone understands, you just described them as scrappy with the S. <laughs> I just want to make sure people don't hear that wrong. Yes, scrappy as in scrappy do the worst character on that show. <laughs> yeah, he was not a good character at all. Yes, everyone knows that, you know, Shaggy and Scooby and Velma were the best. I'm pretty sure that was like the uh, when when that show jumped the shark. Oh, yeah. No one likes Scrappy-Doo. It's good to be Scrappy. It is bad to be Scrappy-Doo. So real quick, let me, I, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but prior to DCAN, were you involved with any of the like mapping Drupal modules, either like location or the geofield module or, or anything like that? No, I had not used Drupal until I joined the DCAN team. Uh, in January 2015, and DCAN had gotten started in 2012. So I've been there for just about over half of its lifespan at this point. But it was my first intro to Drupal. Wow. Yeah, I think it would be interesting as someone who has a degree and is a professional in um, you know, geography and geospatial information systems um, to you know, get your opinion on kind of the state of the geospatial related modules in Drupal. Maybe that could be like your next big project. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, definitely the ability to preview geospatial data, which would be uh, absolutely relevant to DCAN because a lot of the sites that we build for different clients, such as the state of California, the Department of Veterans Affairs, the Department of Health and Human Ser Services, they have so much interesting mappable uh, geospatial data. Uh, but because a lot of it is in proprietary formats, such as uh, Esri ArcGIS shapefiles, it's difficult to create open source modules for Drupal to be able to accurately preview and display all of these uh, mappable pieces of data. But, you know, it's something that so many Drupalers out there are still working on. So who knows what is to come? 
All right, so let's um, pause for a second. Let me just mention our sponsor, and then we're going to dive into Decan for a few minutes. Uh, I want to thank DrupalAid, DrupalAid.com. They provide support, maintenance, well, proactive maintenance, and fixes for your Drupal 6, 7, or 8 site. Now, you can pay them kind of a flat fee per month. Plans start at $99 per month. Um, you can sign up online, cancel anytime. It's actually really easy to do all of that. Um, and the one thing that they you know, will take care of that I know, you know takes a, a bit of the load off anyone who's a Drupal developer is when there are security updates for Drupal core or a module that you use, they will automatically apply them and test them and push them to production. So when that first or third Wednesday of the month comes around, or these days, almost any Wednesday, if you're, if you're looking at contributed modules as well, but when those security updates come out, you don't have to like clear out your Wednesday afternoon to make sure all of your clients get up to date. You can just leave that up to the folks at Drupal Aid. Um, if you are um, if you're looking to hire them for even uh, um, larger tasks, uh, then they're available for that, and you can you know, kind of set up a retainer with them to do stuff like that. If you come to them um, with a site that has recently been hacked, they offer a complimentary um, cleanup. You know, based on um, you know if it has been hacked or if someone's inserted malware, they will go through the site and and kind of get it all cleaned up for you. And really uh, interestingly is they have an affiliate plan. So if you are a Drupal shop and you are used to building sites, but you don't necessarily want to uh, worry about the maintenance for that site, then you can provide this as a service to your clients um, as an affiliate, and you will get a percentage um, of the uh, the payment that's made to DrupalAid by by the client. Um, It's a 10% commission for any clients that you refer to them. So um, you can, they will give you a special link and you can put it out on social media or, or put it on your site or give it to your clients. Um, and that's kind of a really nice way for you to focus on the things that you like to do when it comes to building a Drupal site. So you don't, if you're not into like doing the maintenance, then, you know, let the great folks at DrupalAid.com do that for you. And you can check out their affiliate program at DrupalAid.com slash affiliates. The first time I heard about Decan, the obvious first question, and I think it was from uh, Adam Bergstein, who used to be with Civic Actions. I'm going to assume that you know him since you both uh, worked for Civic Actions at some point. Yes, he got me my current job. Uh, Adam is a wonderful human being. Oh, well, then you owe him. Or, you know, maybe you've already, you know, bought him a a meal or something. But yeah, he's he's a decent guy, I would say. Uh, Big shout out to him. No, I there are so many things uh, that he's mentored me on. Um, He's just really like one of the best Drupalists to know in life. Uh, And I recommend that everyone speak to him uh, whenever you see him at conferences and stuff, uh, which he probably uh, would not like to hear on here because he does always get mobbed. But I mean, there's so much to learn from him on every imaginable level. Well, let's go easy, though. We don't want to give him too big of a head. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, screw him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's really what I was thinking. So I believe he's the one who first told me about it. Um, and I believe my first question was, what does that stand for, DCAN? DCAN stands for Drupal-Based Knowledge Access Network. So that actually stems from, um, and I just want to mention this briefly, there's, uh, there's another project out there called CCAN, which I guess the C is for Comprehensive Knowledge Archive Network. Um, and this is just kind of a Drupal-flavored version. The projects do you know, similar things, um, but this just happens to be built on Drupal. So if you're comfortable with Drupal, then this is you know, probably a good choice for you. Is that a fair way to say it? 
Yes, uh, definitely. Secan is awesome, but if you are trying to manage a very large amount of content, especially uh, data-oriented content, and let's say you've got Secan, uh, you've got a code base going with that, but also WordPress and a code base going with that, uh, that's that's a whole lot of layers. And Decan uh, saves you that trouble by tying it all together into one Drupal distribution. And uh, you get to organize and catalog all of your open data while also getting uh, the benefits of Drupal as a content management system. Let, let's play fill in the blank here. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a sentence, and I'd like you to finish it. The sentence is, "I would be interested in using Decan if." If I were Leslie Nope of Parks and Recreation and the government of Pawnee, Indiana had so much data that it needed to open up to the citizens, but it was just sitting there in file cabinets and getting dusty because all of the other workers like Jerry and Ron Swanson have been ignoring it. So there's health data, there's environmental data, educational data, transportation data. Where am I going to put this? How am I going to get this out there to the people and to researchers and students and journalists and all the folks who'd be interested in this within our community and beyond? Well... Uh, I can uh, spin up a site with Decan pretty easily. It only takes about 20 minutes on Pantheon. Uh, I can easily spin up an out-of-the-box Decan open data portal, start customizing it using Drupal's in-place editor and uh, other customization tools, uh, set up some roles and permissions for my other colleagues uh, within the city government. And uh, yeah, before you know it, Pawnee, Indiana, open data, they, it'll have a Decan open data portal. Again, I feel like you're just tempting me with the Parks and Recre- Recreation reference, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore it. I'm, gonna <laughs> ignore it. I'm going to acknowledge it and, yes. and quickly move along um, for fear of falling into that rabbit hole. So, is it is it one of those things where you know there's a there's a governmental organization they have this data and it, does it have to be like machine readable data? Are, like what are we talking about CSV files or are we talking spreadsheets and PDFs? Like what type of data are we talking about? And, uh, you know, are we just adding it to a decan powered site via a, you know, um, a file upload button? Like, like what makes that site, what makes a decan site built to, you know, serve up this type of data? That is an awesome question. So when you're building... It's a lot. There's about seven questions in there. Yes, there's lots of questions within questions. It's a Matryoshka doll of questions. Uh, But I I did minor in Russian, so I've got this. I've got the Matryoshka dolls. Uh, So when you're building a DCAN open data catalog, um, you can think of it in terms of like a county uh, library catalog where the books don't necessarily have to be all in the same place. Uh, You just generally know where everything is located and have it listed within the catalog so that you know where to access that information. Um, What I'm getting at is that when you're uploading files and importing them into DCAN, you can do that either directly from your hard drive or desktop and just upload the file, you know, the CSV, the PDF, the XLS, whatever it is that you want to store in ArcGIS shapefile, if it's geospatial, um, or you can uh, import an API from an outside source or link to a remote file like a CSV that's updated on an outside site but still have it within your catalog and still have the metadata for that item within your catalog. And metadata is the who, what, when, where, why of data. It is all the info that uh, makes the resource useful to you. That's what I was, yeah, that's kind of where I was going with this. So it sounds like the the last thing I want to do is minimize this, but I'm going to try and summarize. And I, if I minimize by accident, please call me out on it. But it sounds like the, the special sauce of DCAN is the fact that these, and you know, I'm, I'm going to guess that there's a content type that is, you know, the thing that you attach the, you know, you either upload the file to or you reference the data to. 
but that that content type and you know probably associated vocabularies and you know, maybe some other entities that's built with the metadata, the information architecture of the metadata already there for you. So it it becomes very easy to for someone who's new to the site to say, okay, I need to add something new, some you know some new data source to our site, and they go to the page to add a new. I don't know what the proper phrases. I'm just going to keep on saying data source, like that's correct, even though it's probably not. A resource. A resource. Perfect. And they're prompted for the name of the resource, the format of the resource, maybe the the date the resource was last updated, category, like all things like that, right? To make it findable? Yes. So resources are the actual pieces of data themselves, the CSVs, the PDFs, et cetera. Okay. Uh, and resources are stored within data sets, much like how in real life, uh, if you had a printed out map or spreadsheet, it would be stored within a manila folder. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you're thinking of data sets as the manila folders themselves, where would you have the information about the folder? Well, you'd probably write it with a label or a Sharpie on the outside. You'd write the who, what, when, where, why. So that metadata is associated directly with the data set and all of the resources contained within. So now you've got your folder, you've got your files, uh, but you need to sort it according to who published it. You know, if it's the health department, the environmental department, or however you've decided to break down the categories of your open data portal, uh, you can then take that data set, put that into a group. And what's awesome about Drupal uh, and how uh, their workflow roles and permissions uh, options built in, um, you can have administrators of different groups and some of the bigger DCAN open data portals, like for the state of uh, California, they have a bunch of sub-agencies under the state of California, uh, such as health and uh, human services, uh, fisheries and wildlife, and so on. And they have individual group administrators who handle all of the data sets and resources that are published within that group. So is that is that organic groups that are doing that behind the scenes? You know, I don't know too much about organic groups, so you might want to edit this part out. No, that's fine. I'm not going to edit it out. You, if you don't know, that's fine. I'm just, I'm just curious because you basically said if there's different, you know, you can assign different groups of people to manage different uh, uh, data sets or sections of, or, or, or groups of data sets. That's just kind of what popped in my mind. Ah, uh, yes. It sounds like this is sort of, um, maybe maybe more than sort of, it, it, it feels to me like some type of like a document management system, but we're not talking about just documents. We're talking about data in a more kind of general sense and a yes. way to to surface that data, to organize that data, to make that data findable. And then on the, you know, the, the administrative side as a way to just manage that data and keep it up to date. Absolutely. Have we kind of, have we kind of wrapped our arms around what DCAN is with that? little summary? Uh, There's a bit more I wanted to mention. You know, it's not really about uh, archiving the data so much as, uh, you know, keeping a full catalog uh, of it that is still living and still accessible and still updated. Uh, There's really no use to uh, build a library if you're just going to abandon the building and let all the books sit and not have people accessing them. Uh, DCAN is all about community building and, you know, empowering users to be able to create data stories and talk about what's going on with their data. You know, if there's a regional tree planting campaign or a drought mitigation campaign, being able to talk about it and show maps and visualizations that have been created within DCAN. And those are awesome tools, by the way. The fact that you can create charts, tables, et cetera, within DCAN using uh, D- the D3 library out of the box and weave those visualizations into your data stories and data dashboards. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, just the ability to preview all of this and um, put in you know, blog posts, uh, as I had mentioned, uh, data stories and dashboards, just 
really opening up your data in a way that makes it uh, accessible and useful to whichever members of the public will be uh, reaching out for it. So everything or just about everything you've said as far as who uses it, it's you're really focused on government organizations. And I'm just curious, are there other industries that would you that that use this or 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 could use this or is it strictly built for um, governmental agencies. Uh, there are other uh, folks who use DCAN for other purposes, and uh, a lot of them are in Europe. Europe loves DCAN, much like David Hasselhoff. We're big in Germany, uh, so there is a German uh, transportation network for, I think, the city of Wuppertal, which has a very interesting suspended railway. They are using DCAN, and they used DCAN to. Oh my God, this is so cool! I wish we had this here in New York for our transit. But they used. Uh, open transit data via DCAN to create an Alexa app where you can ask about the trains and buses in your area. As far as like schedules and when's the next one coming and, and things like that? Yeah. And it it absolutely, it's just crazy to me that they're able to utilize the DCAN data set API for this purpose. Oh, and, uh, and also, uh, there are some nonprofits and universities that use DCAN to open up their data. And probably the most interesting nonprofit that I've come upon using DCAN in the wild, because it is open source. So you can go through civic actions for support and guidance and so on, but you could also just come up with your own DCAN website. So I found a DCAN site in the wild, uh, so to speak, uh, based out of Sicily, and it was an anti-mafia DCAN open data portal. Uh, this nonprofit that is dedicated to stopping uh, mob rule and corruption in Sicily, where this is still an issue, uh, for the love of God, I hope no mobsters listen to the Drupal podcast. I'm not involved in this, okay? They created this site themselves. I just update modules and talk about it at camp sometimes, okay? Um, but yes. Those are my people. All four of my grandparents are from Sicily. Oh, well, maybe they've accessed this DCAN open data portal. From one side or the other, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, either, <laughs> yeah, either in support or not in support of the mob. Well, that is, that, that's, that's really interesting. And that must be kind of gratifying when you see novel uses for it that you haven't even considered. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. All right, so the elephant in the room, or you know, maybe the elephant in the room is we haven't mentioned what version of Drupal this is built on. So the current release is Drupal 7. Um, so let me ask you, what are the plans for a Drupal 8 version? Well, I am so glad you asked because we are going to have an MVP version of Drupal 8, hopefully crossing my fingers, knocking on wood and other such things around here. Uh, we are going to have an MVP version by Drupal GovCon in late August. Uh, this Monday is Sprint Zero. And plus, we're going to have a one-day sprint at Drupal GovCon that is open to the public to join in and help contribute to DCAN. Is, as far as these sprints, is, is this mainly um, civic actions employees or is there, are, are there volunteers who are kind of part of this development process who have committed to um, you know, these sprints and, and this process? Oh my gosh, we've got a Slack network that is hundreds strong. Uh, there are a lot of people who contribute through GitHub and, and through Drupal.org. Uh, there are so many people who want to improve DCAN and help it be the, the best open data platform that it can be because we're living in a world where data is increasingly uh, being shut off in terms of access. And I think that there are a lot of people who are committed to uh, open data on a philosophical level who uh, really just want to improve like visualization and preview options and all of the great things that go into DCAN. Global translations, we've got folks, uh, Angry Cactus, this great uh, Drupal shop based out of Tunisia that employs folks from New Zealand. Uh, it's amazing. They, they've come up with French and Arabic versions of DCAN. Like it, it's truly a global project. 
So yeah, there will be civic actions employees uh, such as myself and Aaron Couch, who originally developed Decan, uh, Dan Fader, Jeanette Day, some of our, our best and brightest developers. Uh, but ultimately, we're, we're going to have a lot of users and a lot of folks from around government who are just interested in Decan. That's wonderful. That is, that, that's really you know, wonderful to hear. Yeah, the Decan Summit at Drupal GovCon is going to be fantastic. It, it's going to be lit, as the kids say. You just kind of threw that in there, but there's a, this is kind of like a little mini uh, Decan get together at Drupal GovCon? Yes, uh, you will see all of the Decan folks and you'll be able to ask us any questions that you have. So you guys have a, a site, uh, getdecan.org. Yes. And I do want to point folks to that as I would say that, you know, other than this, if you're listening to this podcast and you're you're interested in Decan, I would say go to getdecan.org first. Um, it's, it's got a really good blog. It's kind of where I went to do some background before um, this, ep- this episode. Um, but it has a, like a really interesting list of um, uh, features that I think I'm just kind of scanning it right now. I think for the most part, we've covered... We've at least mentioned most of them. The charting and graphs, that's really interesting. I know you mentioned that. So it sounds like, I think you mentioned there's a D3. Is that like a JavaScript library that a lot, or a PHP library that allows you to kind of take data and visualize it right in the browser? Is that the idea? Uh, yes. If you have machine readable CSVs or other uh, very structured files that have been uploaded within DCAN, uh, you can use our visualizations tool uh, that's based off of the visualizations entity module for Drupal um, to be able to create interactive and animated charts. So on getdecan.org, uh, you can also access the Decan demo at demo.getdecan.org. You can see within some of the data stories and data dashboards that have been published, uh, if you click around uh, the different charts, you can narrow them down to just certain uh, indicators, not others. Uh, for example, on the Decan demo site, there's a data dashboard about FBI crime data for the top 10 most pop- populous cities in the US. Uh, and when we're looking at those charts, you can X in and out of different crimes like burglary and arson or you know X out of certain cities to just see uh, the stats for yours and the stat for you know, the thing you wanted to see. That's good stuff. Yes. Data visualizations are awesome. Yeah. So check that out. Um, it looks like all of your development uh, takes place on GitHub. Yes, it does. That's at github.com slash getdecan. That's the, uh, the the home for the code base. I do want to also point folks to um, your Drupal camp, your Florida Drupal camp presentation from earlier this year. Um, is, is that just kind of an introduction to what decan is or kind of what was in that presentation? Because that is recorded. That's why I'm pointing people towards it. Uh, it's a bit of both. And it shows uh, the basics of adding a data set and resource to decan and uh basically getting around your uh, out-of-the-box version of Decan that you may have spun up on Pantheon or uh, on your own server. All right. And then you also mentioned earlier that there's a Slack channel. Is that on the Drupal Slack? Oh, uh, we have a Decan Slack network of our own. There is a link at getdecan.org. Please join the Slack network. We love having community participation through Slack. Uh, It's really the quickest way to be able to ask uh, direct questions uh, and get direct answers from the development team uh, and other folks such as myself who uh, do a lot of QA and UX work and training. Uh, We are always here on the Decan Slack network to answer your questions and hope you have a good user experience. Okay, that's very good. That's that's an important distinction to make, though. It sounds like they're not going to find a pound decan on the Drupal Slack. Rather, there's a whole different decan Slack network that you can get to from the getdecan.org site. Yes. 
Alrighty, well, that sounds great. So, Stephanie, I know you're going to stick around for a few minutes uh, through the end of the podcast. So, let me, I want to mention one Drupal news item I think is uh, pretty important. It's that the Drupal Association is having an election for the for one of their two community elected positions, uh, an at-large position on the board of directors. So over the past, uh, I would say, month, uh, there was kind of an, a nomination period where you can nom- you could kind of put your name forward as I want to be considered or I want to run for this at-large position on the Drupal Association, Drupal Association Board of Directors. And nine people have done so, and their names and bios and information about kind of why they want to um, you know, uh, be uh, considered for this position is all available on the Drupal Association website. I will put the link in the show notes. Uh, it's really interesting. There's nine candidates. I would, uh, looking at the names, I would actually... I believe that the majority of them are non-U.S. candidates. So it's a very, you know, it's a worldwide type of an, of an election. There's candidates from around the world. A lot of really um, uh, great people um, have kind of put their name forward. So I would consider everyone, um, well, number one, if you're not a member, member of the Drupal Association, I would, you know, encourage you to join the Drupal Association. And number two, if you are a member of the Drupal Association, Check out these candidate profiles, and the voting will start on July 2nd. Uh, there's about uh, 10 or 11 days of uh, that the voting period is open, and then the winners will be announced in, or the winner, I should say, I'll just be one winner, will be um, announced in late July. So it's a kind of important thing for our community, so definitely check that out. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, next up, a little bit of Drupal Easy news. I did mention already that we just graduated our, I believe it was our 13th semester of Drupal Career Online. So congratulations to those graduates. We have a new semester starting up in the fall. So you can always go to drupaleasy.com slash DCO to get more information about that. But even more importantly, or maybe not more importantly, but more uh, timely, is I will be at Drupal Camp Asheville. Uh, that is Friday, July 13th, and Drupal Camp Colorado, which is Friday, August 3rd. Uh, both of those events, I will be uh, doing a full-day training um, titled Upgrading Your Local Development Environment with DDEV. So basically, it's think of it this as an introduction to DDEV, a uh, full-day workshop. If you have wanted to kind of upgrade your local development environment to use something a little bit more up-to-date, a little bit more configurable, um, and you've considered using DDEV, I would highly encourage you uh, to attend one of these two workshops and we'll, we'll get you up and running um, pretty quickly and, and get you comfortable with the tools. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where I think once most people start using it, you're, gonna, you're just going to stick with it because it's really solid. It's very configurable. Um, it's got a great community behind it. It's well supported, all, all the things that you want to hear. Um, I actually just gave that workshop for the very first time last week in Minneapolis at Twin Cities Drupal Camp. So thanks to uh, those folks up there for having me up there. Uh, great camp. Had a really good time up in Minneapolis. Really enjoyed the uh, the Skyway system. That was my favorite part. I don't know. Have you ever been to Minneapolis, Stephanie? No, I haven't. I, I would like to know what the Skyway system is. I love public transit. It's basically, it's a good portion of downtown. All of the buildings are connected via the second floor bridges. There's it just it's a walking network between 
you can literally go from one end of downtown to the other on the skyway without ever having to go outside, which in Minneapolis seems like that'd be pretty important in the wintertime. Yeah, that's an amazing way to escape the cold. We had something very similar. Uh, I attended Hunter College in New York City, and the subway station had a direct connection into the school, which is very nice in winter. And uh, because it's uh, New York and it's not really a traditional campus, it's just four very tall skyscrapers. We had our own little skywalks over uh, Park Avenue and Lexington Avenue. I was unprepared for how extensive this skyway, skywalk or skyway, I think it's skyway network was. I got lost a couple of times, but... It wasn't, it wasn't terrible. Okay. Uh, and Stephanie, I believe you are going to be in Asheville as well, correct? Yes. And I am so excited because uh, everything is oriented toward Drupal and science. And I'm going to be talking about Decan for Science and uh, the new science module that we've released. Have you been to the Asheville camp before? No, I have not. I've never been to Asheville. And I am so excited to get out of New York City and all of the concrete uh, and get up there in the mountains with all of the fellow Drupalers. That's a beautiful, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of my favorite, I hope I'm not, no one takes this the wrong way, but it's one of my favorite like of the small camps that I go to. It's not a huge <laughs> camp, but it's a, it's a great, I mean, Asheville's wonderful. It's a really great group of people. So, Well, that's the beauty of the Drupal community. Every camp is so different. I mean, I've, I've so far been to Bad Camp, uh, Drupal Camp Florida, and Drupal GovCon, and DrupalCon itself for the first time this year. And Yeah, those are all, the four of those are all very different. Yeah, so different, but so worth it, each and every one. And just the way that they represent the Drupal community as a whole. Like, I just always come away feeling so warm and fuzzy, especially about all of the diversity and inclusion stuff at DrupalCon this year. Oh my God, it just, it feels like everybody's invited to the party, you know, and we're all in this together. So here, let's um, let's start wrapping things up here. Is there anywhere online that you want to kind of point people to? I, I don't think you're on Twitter. No, it's an anxiety hell zone. Sorry, I used Twitter from about 2008 through 2015, and then yeah, there, there's too many anonymous jerks on there. I, I like the nice internet and wholesome content. Okay, very good. So let me just mention then, if you are interested in following Drupal Easy on Twitter um, or myself, which is uh, Ultimike on Twitter, by all means, uh, you know, check us out. I will say follow GetDecan on Twitter. We are active on there, and you will find out about de- uh, developments, uh, release notes, uh, Decan news, events, uh, different open data hackathons and such uh, that the Decan team is involved with. So while I do not have personal Twitter, the Get Decan Twitter, uh, we're out there. Follow us. Get Decan on Twitter. Very good. I will put that in the show notes. All right. So let's have a little bit of fun uh, before we wrap things up. Five questions for you. Name something interesting you do outside of Drupal. Uh, I am a champion of karaoke, and <laughs> one of the the founders of Decan, uh, Andrew Hoppin, who originally started New Civic, uh, I had mentioned him earlier. Uh, we had a really great Decan team karaoke night sometime in early 2015, and it was like a month after I had been hired, so everyone was really getting to know me. And uh, I grew up in South Florida, just north of Miami, and grew up around a, a lot of hip-hop and Latino music, and uh, it's it's really rich and wonderful, and I'm so thankful to be from uh, such a culturally uh, unique place. But I, I did some rap songs at karaoke, and I was able to nail them perfectly. So he became convinced that I'm able to freestyle, which I'm not. I'm just good at memorizing. Uh, but then he kept asking me, like, freestyle songs about Drupal and open data. And I was like, I'm sorry, Andrew. I wish I could. But 
I don't think that's going to happen. Although I could, I have been meaning to write a parody of Steely Dan's Deacon Blues to be Decan Blues. Mm. That that could happen one day. And yes, I do have very diverse musical taste. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh man, Tracy Chapman's Give Me One Reason. Oh, that's a good song. I was like, it's go real deep with that. Yeah. All right. Very good. What's your favorite movie? My Neighbor Totoro. Hands down. And I gave that question a lot of thought because I was thinking, oh man, if I'm trapped on a desert island, there's only one movie I can take. My Neighbor Totoro just has all of the emotions, all of the feelings, and so much beauty. I have no idea what you're talking about with this movie. Oh my god, it's an animated Miyazaki film from 1988. Uh Great year. Not that I'm biased or anything. Uh, is this from? Is this from uh, Studio Ghibli or? Yes, Studio Ghibli. Uh, it's a really gorgeously uh, hand painted film, just about the wonder and beauty of childhood and nature. And oh my god, it really just reaches into corners of your heart that you didn't even know existed. This is amazing because since we've we've updated our five questions, you know, maybe ten episodes ago to include this question. We have had, I don't, I'd have to go back and look, but I would say at least four or five other Drupal community members answer the, this question with a movie from the studio, with an animated movie from the studio. And I have never seen anything. For, I feel like I'm either, I, I'm either missing out or I'm just on like some other less sophisticated wavelength. No, it's not that you've been missing out. It's that you just haven't had the chance to experience it yet and showing those films to people. It's almost like giving a kid ice cream for the first time, like being, oh my God, I can't wait for you to finally experience this. And if you thought Pixar could make you cry and like reach into the depths of your soul, you haven't even seen anything yet. Oh my God. So how do you spell that? My neighbor Totoro? How do, how do you spell Totoro? Yes. T-O-T-O-R-O he is a giant cat. Well, cat-like creature. Okay. I'm almost afraid to ask this next question for fear that I'm really going to seem uncool after you answer this one, but um, what's your favorite music artist? Oh my God. That's really, really difficult. Uh, I know it's, it's unfair, but it's okay. No one's going to hold you to this. You can change. You know, I, I uh, really love this band, Speedy Ortiz. Uh, so they're an indie rock band from Massachusetts fronted by uh, this absolutely brilliant guitarist and singer, Sadie Dupuy. Uh, and they're really influenced by like mid nineties indie rock, uh, like Pavement and the Pixies. And the lead singer used to be in a Pavement uh, cover band that was all female called Pavement. So if you really like mid nineties like indie alternative rock, uh, Speedy Ortiz is fantastic. I am so uncool. No, it's it's okay. I'm a total freaking hipster. Like I I live in New York. I get it. Like I'm gonna name the band no one's heard of, but you know what? They're they're really great. Girls with guitars make the world a better place. I don't know if they need any more exposure, but you're giving them a little bit more exposure. Oh, yes, they, they do. They are relatively unknown. And I love to support uh, you know, local bands and smaller bands and people who could use a leg up. Always here for the underdog. So this has been my favorite question for a while, despite the fact that many people tell me to get rid of it. I refuse to. What is the last exotic animal that you have either hand fed or held or interacted with in some, some way? Oh my God. Well, I live in New York City, so I'm trying to think like, well, there was a possum in my backyard recently. And I was like, well, ha, huh, Queens is part of Long Island. It's an island. How the heck did this possum get into my backyard in New York City? So that was pretty exotic for us. But because I am from South Florida originally, 
uh, probably the last time I visited my family and my best friend from high school and I went on uh, a Groupon Everglades tour for old time's sake because uh, you go out to the Everglades when you're growing up there in like elementary school and you get to see cool animals and we wanted to do it these days and see how it was and have a great time. Uh, so we did and the nature is incomparable. But man, alligators and and there's panther crossing zones where the speed limit gets reduced at night because there, there's panthers walking around. Um, there's also all sorts of weird birds out there, like the roseate spoonbill, this flamingo looking thing that has like a ladle for a beak so it can ladle up fishes from the swamps. Uh, it's, it's so cool. The Everglades is really just a gorgeous place. Did you see any of the new um, the the pythons that now occupy the Everglades? Oh God, no! But I'm I'm terrified of them. But uh, people are getting paid right now to hunt and destroy those gigantic pythons taking over, which good because they're gobbling up all the deer and the birds and other things that uh, you know are markers of biodiversity. I, I don't know how they're ever going to make a dent in that. No, they're giving people big money now. If you look it up, the python hunters of South Florida, they're paying for like the poundage and like the, the length of the python. So like if these big 18 foot... But the Everglades, it's huge. It's huge. The Everglades are enormous. It's like the size of like, it's bigger than, than, than you know, several states. So what if there were some kind of GIS-based program where we started tracking and tagging the locations of Burmese pythons as they are found and rooted out, and we put together all of that open data on some kind of open data portal to keep track and plot all of these snakes? And uh, you know what? Screw it. Let's throw in some Python scripts to hunt the pythons, too. (laughs) That's a very good idea, as a matter of fact. So this question, you've kind of already answered this. Um, I think the answer to this question is going to be decan. um, But what was your tipping point Drupal moment? Because it sounds like your introduction to Drupal was when you were tasked with helping to build decan. Yes. And I had to learn Drupal while learning decan. Um, So I had to sort out what is part of this this distribution I am working on versus what is just part of Drupal core and uh, other Drupal community uh, modules. So when I first uh, started working with Decan, uh, Drupal was very intimidating because I had used uh, very light content management platforms before, such as WordPress.com. And also, if we want to go real back in the day with it, LiveJournal, I did actively maintain one from 2004 through, I think, uh, 2011. Uh, but I, I had only experienced content management systems uh, in that sense, uh, with mostly managing blog or social media-based content. Uh, so yeah, it was really fascinating getting to know Drupal and all of its modules and all of the community contributions and just what makes Drupal tick and what makes Drupal so unique from anything else. So uh, when my my big Drupal tipping point came, uh, it was when a good friend of mine who she's worked in tech for a while, but she had never worked with Drupal and she was interviewing for a position in which she would have to use Drupal. Uh, I was walking her through it and saying, you know, there's over 30,000 modules out there and over 100,000 sites worldwide built on Drupal. And she got the job and it was because of me walking her through it and giving her all these Drupal facts. And I thought, wow, like I've I'm on that level now. I've reached that that point of Drupal knowledge where I can walk someone else through getting a Drupal job. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yes. And now I am a full-fledged decangelist. All right. Well, let's wrap things up here. Let me just mention a couple of our other sponsors, webenable.com and devpanel.com. Definitely check them out if you're interested in hosting or Git repository hosting or um, check out what cpanel.com um, can, or I'm sorry, 
dev cpanel, what devpanel.com can do to help you manage all of your remote servers. If you're interested in hearing more episodes or older episodes or future episodes of our podcast, by all means, go to DrupalEasy.com slash podcast or just search for DrupalEasy in any one of the gazillion podcast aggregators out there. So uh, thank you very much, Stephanie. This was awesome. Um, I felt like I kind of knew enough about Decan before this conversation, but now I, I feel like I really have a handle on it. Um, and that's thanks to you. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much for having me. You can now go forth and release the data, set it free to the world. Set the data free. All right. And on that note, let's wrap this up and we will see everybody on the next Drupal Easy. I almost said screencast because I've been recording a lot of screencasts lately. So let's, let me take a deep breath and say, we'll see you on the next Drupal Easy podcast. Yes. Thanks a lot, Mike. See ya.